For men, life is about disabling all feelings so eating shit becomes tolerable. You know, disable your feelings at your own peril. Eat shit at your own peril too, lest you become a shit for brains. How about seeking to understand what those feelings are telling you and mastering yourself? Because there's no hope. When you're genetically flawed, then you've got no choice but to try to enjoy shit. Why did you surrender hope? There's no escape. I'm five foot seven and autistic, but I have the dreams and aspirations of a normal person. It's some cruel joke. Oh, I'm sorry to hear of your pain. Have you perhaps built a negative mental landscape around all the things that you are not? I think that's exactly it. All I ever think about are the things I'm not. Well, I think about the things I am as well. Like being a freak. Right, so is it at all possible that you could build a positive mental landscape about all the things that you are. I understand you have shortcomings, but you seem to be alive and lucid. I'd have to develop a warped view of reality in order to see myself in a positive light. There's no perspective where I can be viewed as something other than a short, ugly, autistic it loser. Seems to me you've already warped reality by applying your words to it. Just warp it another way for a change. <laughs> What have you got to lose? The comfort of self-hate? There's better ways to be. I deal in facts and figures. To feel better about myself, I'd have to lie about the facts and figures. That's delusion. Yeah, but you've assigned the negative value to the facts and figures. That's delusional as well. Acknowledging the negative value is deluded? Ascribing the negative value in a way that fosters self-hate is deluded. I've done that myself. Well, if you can tell me how to not hate myself despite being ugly, short, undateable, and retarded, <laughs> then please say. Look, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I have a lot of sympathy for you, and it sounds like it fucking sucks. What I've been trying to say is that you have to actively choose every day what to think. Yes, you have incredible hurdles to having a normal life, and yes, it's beyond difficult, but you're still the one choosing to hate yourself based on what you're not. You still chose to give up hope. You still chose the comfort of self-loathing because it was easy and familiar. I've done it myself. If you want to continue believing you're screwed for life, I can't stop you. You know, I urge you to believe that a better life might be possible. You might have to modify your expectations. It might take your whole life. But we're alive, man. I mean, why, why can't it get better? Somehow, in some small way. Hello and welcome. This is Self-Control. How to build a better life. A podcast that will inspire you to take control of your mind and your mindset to go forward and build the life that you deserve to live, the life that you want to live. Now, what you just heard was a real conversation that I dramatized. This was a real conversation that I had with somebody uh, through a string of Facebook comments. Let's call him Alan. And I really wanted to play this conversation for you because I think it highlights a, a couple important things. I think number one, it highlights the reminder that we all need to take is that you can't always help another person uh, with their problems and sometimes you simply need to uh, just allow them to vent and, and be there to listen. Now, I didn't really do that in this case. I maybe could have been more empathetic. I tried to be um, sympathetic, I suppose, but it really highlights this idea that this show and my entire ethic really is that I cannot offer you advice, I cannot offer you support uh, if you're not already orienting yourself that way. You know, I think in a lot of what Alan was saying, he's sort of in a way made his bed and decided to lie in it. You know, he believes that he is too short, too ugly, too retarded, in his own words, to, um, to be dateable, to have a, a life of a normal person. And, you know, that's a tragic, that's a tragic way to live. And 
I suppose if that's how he feels, uh, then that will unfortunately be his reality. Of course, we should also say, perhaps in some way that is Alan's way of reaching out, right? He wants to he wants to find people that maybe could offer him some solutions, offer him a way to think. But I think his resistance to what I was trying to offer was, you know, that's very common for all of us when we're in a place that is comfortable, even if that place is hell, even if that place is a place of negativity where we've decided to write ourselves off as short, ugly, neurodivergent, undateable, poor, undeserving of happiness, whatever these things are, when we've written ourselves off in that way, at least then we have some form of control. At least then we know where we are. And when someone offers us what may be potential solutions, and I'm not saying I'm the, the great guru or the be-all, end-all, but if those solutions started to sound like they might actually work, then it's uh, that subconscious defense mechanism will will rear its ugly head and and start to say no. Those solutions are wrong, they're corny, they're unhelpful, they're stupid. I don't want to do the work. And I even referred to that in my conversation with him. I said, is it the comfort of self-loathing that keeps you where you are? You know, so again, I, I could have perhaps been more empathetic, but I think I think that when people are venting, it's important to maybe just ask first, are you looking to vent, <laughs> you know, or are you looking for solutions? So I, I think that in the last few months going around these these Facebook groups where people are asking for support with their mental health, with their mindset, with their self-development, it has really opened my eyes to just how much suffering is going on out there. And it's important for me or for any of us who have our <coughs> together enough uh, to believe that we could even offer anything to another person. It's to not develop that savior complex. You know, for me, I, I really need to remind myself that I cannot necessarily help you and maybe I should simply seek to understand. But this is a podcast where I'm simply speaking on my own uh, becoming, my own uh, journey and the things that I've done. So if this sort of thing is useful to you, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. But but please know that this is not me trying to be uh, Mr. Guru. And perhaps there's a little bit too much of that in my conversation with Alan. However, with that said, I do still stand by the crux or the sort of central argument that I had with Alan. I really do believe that as unfortunate as your life may be in the moment, you know, you may have some great deformity. You may be mentally handicapped. You, know, you may be shorter than average. You may be living in a place where you are prejudiced against because of your skin color, your race, your gender, however you represent yourself. You know, you... You may have never even seen what positivity would look like. You may have never had a positive role model in your life. I, I really do believe, and again, I suppose it's a privileged position for me to take, but I'm going to take it anyway. You still choose to build that negative mental landscape. You still choose to be mistrustful of people, to hate people, to hate yourself. This show and this episode specifically is going to talk about how do our negative influences how do our negative experiences shape our worldview? And then what can we do to start if we would like a better worldview, if we would like better outcomes in our life, how can we begin to, just as we've built that negative mental landscape, how can we begin to tear it down and build a new positive mental landscape? So if you find yourself uh, full of what we would call misanthropy, that's the hatred of other people, uh, perhaps you're hateful of yourself. Perhaps you have suspicions about other people's motives. You know, perhaps you find it hard to build and maintain relationships. 
You have a negative and cynical outlook. You don't express yourself emotionally. These are all uh, hallmarks. These are all representations of that negative worldview, that way in which your experiences have taught you that this is what the world is. But what I'm about to argue for is the idea that we still, on some level, get to choose how we see the world despite what has happened to us, despite what we have witnessed, if we believe that better is possible. So if you're looking for a little more love and light in your life, I don't pretend to have all the answers, but let's go forward and talk about a couple of solutions. So I really had to, again, extend my sympathy to Alan, because when when we have that that body dysmorphia or that hatred of our body, right, where our, our low self-esteem or our unprocessed uh, emotions are rooted in our body, you know, that's a horrible place to be. You know, when, when even our own body doesn't feel safe, you know, when it feels like hell just to be who we are, I mean, that's horrible. I, I would say that I've, I had some issues like that in my younger days uh, with body dysmorphia, uh, with feeling like I was not physically presentable to people that I wanted to be, that I I held back, right? And again, it's it's not uncommon when we have this low self-esteem. Uh, we, we imprint that on the world and we assume, well, I hate myself. I hate the way I look. I hate the way I feel. Therefore, the whole world probably doesn't accept me either. And I often wonder, you know, was it the fact that because I hated myself and carried myself with low self-esteem that the world didn't accept me? Or was it because of the reasons that I was feeling that low self-esteem, you know, the shame I had in my body, was that why people rejected me? Or was it because I went out into the world as someone who wasn't even confident in themselves? And you may have to ask yourself that question. If you're dealing with low self-esteem or body dysmorphia or a, a hatred of how you look, ask yourself, is the world rejecting you because of who you are? Or have you so thoroughly rejected yourself that now you're imprinting that on the world or when people do truly reject you, it's because they can sense that low confidence. They can sense that hatred. You know, if we're building a team, we're building a workplace, we're building a group of friends, we have to unfortunately be somewhat um, skeptical or mistrustful ourselves of people that are not confident, of people that haven't found it in themselves to, to be who they are. You know, how can we how can we love and appreciate you if you cannot at least begin to find that in yourself? So it seemed like Alan threw out sort of the same three labels that he perhaps has heard applied to him before. Perhaps he's decided to apply them to himself. Short, undateable or ugly, and retarded. Now, that was his word. I maybe should use the word neurodivergent. He used, seemed to suggest that he was autistic. How can I, as someone who is of average height, don't believe I'm ugly, could be ugly, don't think I'm ugly, and not neurodivergent in that way at least? How could I offer him any advice? And that, I simply try to, I suppose, and this is I think what makes this show applicable to everybody, is that I try to offer him sort of a a meta solution, an underlying solution is like, I can't change how you look. I can't change your height. But let me simply ask you, have you labeled yourself these things? Have you allowed people to tell you that you're these things? Have you allowed media and culture to tell you that you're these things? And have you then ascribed that negative value to them? 
okay, you're five foot seven. Well, there's people that are four foot tall who are going on dates, no doubt about it. There's a TLC show all about it. But my, my point there is like, sure, sure, it's tough when you're out in the world and you see big tall guys going up and, and seducing women and going home with them or whatever you think you're seeing. But there was plenty of people in those same Facebook comments who said, I'm shorter than you and I have no trouble. You know, height might go a long way in the mating and dating game, but it's not the be all end all, I don't think. And I'm 6'1", so I, how can I really know? But confidence, right? Be, again, it goes back to, it's one thing to be short, but it's another thing to go around believing that being short is a problem and then trying to get with somebody for the purposes of dating or mating while carrying that deep sense of insecurity about yourself, right? It's more, I would think, the insecurity that turns off a potential date than, than the quality itself. So again, here's how we see where our worldview is shaped by our experience. And if you've always felt like you were undateable, had no success uh, in the dating game, um, felt like you were different, you know, had, a, had trouble maintaining relationships of any kind, then you, you search for reasons why. And it's so easy then to just look at yourself and simply say, well, it's because of these things. It has to be because I'm short and autistic and ugly. Okay, so now you've ascribed that negative value to those things. I really do believe that we have then, we have forfeited the game already. If we've taken a look at these supposed immutable characteristics, right? Those unchangeable characteristics and said, these are why I'll never succeed. Then it's game over. You've, you're ceasing to play the game. And again, I have the utmost sympathy for someone like Alan to even put himself out there to, to say those things about himself publicly. I want to talk now about some solutions. How if you find that you're down on yourself, you're, you're skeptical and mistrustful of others. Let's talk about now what it looks like to start rebuilding that negative mental landscape. You know, the number one solution I would say is awareness. You simply have to become aware of these blind spots. Like Alan may not even know that he's going out into the world like this every day, posting on Facebook, I'm short, autistic, and ugly and undateable. That just might be part of his life. That just might be habit. I think if you are listening or watching this show, thank you very much. If you're listening or watching, ask yourself, look, I seem to have trouble forming relationships. I've never seen a positive role model. It's just bad news all the time in my life, on the phone, on the TV, in my head. But I would like for things to be better. Well, why don't you ask yourself, what is the negative mental landscape you've built? What are the labels that you've allowed to be foisted upon you, put upon you? And could they, could they change? You know, I'll give you an example. I think for years, uh, I believed or I was told that I was an introvert. And the more I've come to think about it, you know, the more I really believe that introvert, extrovert is this toxic binary that we apply to people to, to make sense of, of them. Uh, you know, so, okay, I, I'm introverted, but I also work in live event video production. I'm literally around thousands of people every, every night, some nights, you know, I have to work with all different people all the time, right? Because I'm a freelancer. I'm going into different environments all the time, new people in my life all the time. 
what good is it going to do for me to say, well, because I'm an introvert, by doing this, uh, I'm going to, all my energy is going to be drained and I'm not really suitable for these social situations. I have a hard time communicating with people. Whatever, you know, whatever, whatever black and white we apply to the introvert. What if I just stopped seeing myself as an introvert and said, well, this big social situation, it's not going to drain me of energy. You know, perhaps poor diet, poor breathing, uh, poor stress management. Um, and then the belief that I am an introvert and, and half-assing it in these social situations, that's what's going to, that's what's going to crush my spirit and, and drain my energy. It's that I live in this label and then become the label, right? The introvert loses their energy in social situations. The introvert, um, prefers not to communicate outwardly. It's like, okay, maybe you just do that because you aren't well-practiced, uh, because you're not sure what to say. If I just simply quit telling myself that I'm an introvert, and I know this is somewhat simplistic, but it, it makes the point is like, if the label is crushing you, right? If, if you believe that you're short or you're introverted or you're un, undeserving of happiness for something you did years ago, ask yourself, Am I, am I putting this label on myself and allowing it to sort of become a self-fulfilling prophecy? And so then what follows from awareness has to be mindfulness, right? It's okay. I think maybe the introvert, uh, the introvert label as a bad thing is, is hurting my quality of life. I think the belief that I'm short is the belief that I'm short and that that's a problem is hindering my quality of life. Well, now then let's begin to think about how often am I thinking this? And it's like, like I said with Alan, I have to say he makes a number of posts in that Facebook group relatively the same where he just says, I'm short, autistic and undateable. Life is hard. I have to just simply get through it. What I might have suggested to Alan instead was, well, how often are you thinking these things, right? There's your first step. Become aware of the labels that you've worn how they're affecting the output. And then mindfully, as we know, mindfulness is about observing our thoughts, right? Thinking about what we're thinking, thinking about the task at hand, and then choosing in the moment to control that thought or that task at hand. And in this case, it's controlling that thought. Am I putting this label on myself every morning when I wake up and every 10 minutes for the entire day? Now it's going to take time. It's going to take time to rip that label off, but that's what I did for myself when it came to introversion. That's what I would encourage you to do as well. There's no need, I don't believe, if you want a better life, if you want to feel positive towards other people, and you're going out in the world with all this self-hate or all this complicated labeling that you've done of yourself, and now you're essentially projecting that, that you believe that other people see me as short and then I'm scum. Other people see me as this you know, this repressed introvert and I'm scum. People don't want me around. It's like, well, maybe you don't want you around and maybe you need to consider taking the label off and taking that life for a spin. It could be very empowering to say, yeah, okay, I'm five foot seven. I'm shorter than average. It's not a problem. Of course, that's difficult. I know me uh, as a guy on a podcast cannot just tell you to do this thing, but boy, if it's just words and it's just thoughts, at some point we have to take control and just say, I don't want to live this way anymore. So then what I tried to give to Alan also was this idea that we've talked about on the podcast before here is that 
you know, you are focusing on all the things that you are not, right? You, you are not tall enough or you are not as tall as, right? That relational or negational thinking, uh, you're autistic and therefore, you know, you're not mentally sound as the next person, or you have this thing in your life that's missing. You have this way of being that could never be for you. It's time to uh, reframe those beliefs, right? And cognitive reframing, and I'm not, again, you know me, not a psychologist, not going to give you a textbook definition here, but let's at least become aware of how we are focusing on the things that we are not and the things that we uh, are not in comparison to other people and realize that we can see those things for what they are, but we don't necessarily have to put them first. It's like, you must, because you've spent so much time thinking about all these things that you're not, and all these bad, repulsive qualities. And I said as much to him in the comments, it was like, well, why not then spend a little bit of time thinking about something that you might be? And it's like, yes, you want to date a supermodel, you want to be rich and famous, I don't know what you want, but maybe it might require changing the goals, right? It might require changing your expectations and just say, well, look, I'm, I'm short, I'm autistic, I'm ugly, I'm undeserving of happiness. Perhaps there's a woman out there who herself is, by her own admission, short, ugly, and autistic. Might that be a match made in heaven? I'm not making light of this person's situation. I just think it's such good, it's such, because it's so tough, right? Because those things are horribly hard and you have to have a great amount of sympathy for someone who feels that that is how their life has gone. But perhaps with the maintenance or the, let's say the modification of expectations, we can start to say, well, look, I'm not probably going to be able to date the porn stars, the supermodels, the women I see on Instagram. Let's start there. And that might not even be true. But could there be somebody? Could I try to find somebody? Could I even just try to make a friend? You know, could I have a pen pal, right? Or a, a friend on social media? I mean, you, you might get catfished, of course. But the point being is that when we focus on all these things that we're not, literally, truly, it leads us into this state of despair, this lack of hope. That constant, chronic focusing on the negative, that constant chronic focusing on what we do not have or are not or cannot be warps and destroys and compromises our problem-solving abilities, right? Like all those years when I had terrible body dysmorphia and told myself that no woman would ever want to be with me for a number of different reasons, I was nowhere, I was never I was never then looking for the solution to that, right? It took me years before I realized, well, there are solutions if you feel that way. But you're not ever going to even, the door is never even going to open for solutions when you're constantly just beating yourself up and focusing on all the not, 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 emptiness, emptiness, emptiness. Someone once said to me that when you are low, it's a low door that opens. So you're not going to necessarily go from having no dates and no friends and no fun to just all of a sudden having this incredible life. But you might be able to go from zero to 0 0.5. You might get to get your foot in the door and try one thing. But again, it's that door is not going to present itself if you're not 
willing to look. And so lastly, as far as solutions go, this is something I've been really trying to practice myself lately, is this idea of gratitude and being thankful for what you do have. And again, if if there are many, many things that you do not have and many failures and you've had, you've been betrayed, you've been abused, you've grown up in a place where you're not welcome or wanted by the other 50% of the population, you know, that you've never had a positive role model in your life. You can't maintain healthy relationships. Look, look how easy it is to list all the things that you don't have and you've never done and you won't ever experience. Try then to be thankful for the one thing that you do have. How about the fact that you're alive, right? How about the fact that your ears and eyes work and you can take in a wonderful podcast like this or any of the great content that's out there in the world? How about the fact that you're even alive in 2023, the technological boom that's going on right now, the way that you can communicate ideas, hear ideas from across the world in the snap of a finger, you know? I mean, if you're lucky enough to live in North America or Western Europe or any other place across the world that's not at war, and I guess we could quibble about whether or not America is at war, but there's no war in your home soil, right? The fact that you can just drive to the grocery store, get any food you need and put it in your fridge. You know, you you maybe have money problems. You maybe have debt problems. Like, it's very easy to just say, well... The bad far outweighs the good, and that's fine if you want to live with that label. But I have found that when I started to, uh, when I started to kneel down at night and pray—not even pray, but just list off the things that I'm grateful for—it becomes almost embarrassing that I would even that I would even focus on the negative because there's for me personally, and I would bet for you as well on some level that there are a lot of things to be grateful for. There are a lot of things in your life that are working in your favor. And maybe there's not. Maybe there's one thing. Well, then dive deep on that one thing, right? It goes back to where I started, I think, and the point that I maybe have not made and will perhaps change the title of the episode. If you have had negative experiences like betrayal, trauma, abuse, you never had a positive role model in your life, you've been cheated on, you've been duped and you've been fired, you've been ripped off, you've been lied to, you begin to become skeptical of other people. You begin to um, wear the label of someone who is um, cheatable, right? Undateable, unlikable, unworthy, undeserving of happiness. But those are words that you have chosen to put in your own mouth and your own mind and apply to yourself. If you're distrustful, skeptical, hateful of other people, so much of that comes from within, right? The world is in many ways what we make of it. And it's, it is also what we've experienced. So this doesn't come overnight, but start with that awareness and ask, am I wearing a label? And am I making a value judgment on the world? And is it accurate? And then if you want to improve things, if you want to stop living that way, if you want a brighter, lighter, happier, easier, maybe not easier, a brighter, lighter, happier, more fulfilling life, then begin to just examine how often am I thinking these things? How often do I tell myself I'm undateable? Because the more times you say it, the more likely it's going to be to come true. What if one out of 1,000 times you said, maybe I'm dateable. Maybe there's a girl or a guy or a 
whoever out there for me. Realize how you've spent all this time focusing on what you're not. All this time thinking that you are lesser than another person and try to be thankful for the things that you do have. Again, you're going to hear these solutions and they're going to sound corny. They're going to sound too easy. They're going to sound unhelpful because your subconscious defense mechanisms are firing on all cylinders saying that can't be, that can't be, that can't be. The negative mental landscape we've built is this is where we want to live. This is what's right. This is where we have control. This feels like home. I can't make you change. The fact that you're listening to a show called How to Build a Better Life makes me think that you maybe are willing to change, willing to improve. I've tried to skirt around the word change, but, you know, as they say, change is as good as the rest, but an obsession with change, that, that's a problem. But you don't want to live the way you're living because of the way you think. Change the way you think. You have control over that more than you could ever imagine. So I'll leave it there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Please, please remember, in your mistrust of others, your hate of others, a loss of faith in yourself, it's warping your problem solving. It's warping your ability to see the good. One day at a time, one step at a time, you can improve. You get to choose how to think. You get to build that mental landscape. And please remember that better is possible.